Hello and welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. This is John Tefteller, your host. It's Tuesday and we are on show number three with special guest Keith Scott, the man of a thousand voices from the great country down under of Australia. And Keith has uh, graciously provided his time uh, for 10 episodes of the Good Old Days of Radio Show focusing on cartoon voices, animation voices, who also doubled as radio actors and vice versa. And Keith, welcome back to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. Thank you, John and Daniel. It's great to be here. And uh, once again, uh, the confluence, I suppose you would say, of, of radio and animation talent, which now, when you think about it, really makes sense because uh, it was uh, by, the, by the period of today's broadcast, which is uh, in 1938, Hollywood had become the center of uh, transcontinental radio. It, it had displaced Chicago and New York, which were the original big centers, because it had, you know, the I guess they'd completed the the transcontinental lines from coast to coast, and so uh, all the uh, ad, ad agencies and producers came west because uh, they they were realizing that uh, by the late thirties. The movie studios and radio were now cooperating with each other, and uh, so of course Hollywood had all the great movie stars, and that's where we see all of these um, big-time shows that uh, did adaptations of famous motion pictures on radio each week. The most prestigious being the one-hour format of Lux Radio Theatre, and of course the offshoots were, you know, Screen Guild Theatre, Screen Directors Playhouse, Hollywood Star Time. There were so many of them. A lot of the half-hour ones were interesting to hear movie stars on radio, but uh, a lot of the uh, latter-day uh, opinion is that the, a lot of those shows don't really work as well as they could because to try to cram a 90-minute movie into a half-hour with commercials, uh, you're just going to really hear highlights. You're not going to hear the whole thing. The Lux show was really well adapted, and uh, it really did manage to get the feel of many of these films accurately. Uh, into a one-hour radio presentation. Yeah, Lux was the granddaddy of all of these things and the show really? by which everyone else had to at least attempt to get close to. And most of them right. didn't get very close. Uh, they, they just didn't. Right. The stars would yeah. appear on those other shows and they're fun to hear. But as you say, cramming a hour-and-a-half movie into 20 minutes... <laughs> <laughs> that yes. that takes some real skill on the screenwriter's part. Yes, and especially it, Hollywood Star Time, which was frigid air. Those commercials went on forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they they really uh, they really had to to figure out how to do it, and sometimes it worked, right. but usually it was like, no, you're just hearing highlights from the shows, uh, from the films, which is fine, but it doesn't have the impact that Lux did. Lux had the full hour and they made good use of it. They had Cecil B. DeMille as the host for at least the first years of it and then it went to other hosts but um, they just had everything and you could everything hear, going. You could hear the it. money behind it. The, the budget was obviously higher too because uh, it did have a prestigious feel to it. Right, right. No, they definitely poured their resources into it and as a result they sold a lot of Lux toilet soap. <laughs> All right. Well, we have right. Snow White today. Snow White was Disney's, I guess it's still considered Disney's masterpiece, 
personally, right. I, I prefer Pinocchio, but that's yeah, just me. That's just me. I guess that's the boy in me pre- uh, preferring Pinocchio, but most people seem to say it's Snow White. And I, and I can watch Snow White and I can see why, because it's just yes. so dramatically yeah. new, so to speak. The, uh, things in that film had never, ever been done up to that point. And it, it, is, it yeah. is completely believable and realistic as a cartoon, and that's what makes it work. Uh, so yes, and I think yeah, I think I think a lot of people are on your side, John. I think they do prefer Pinocchio. In fact, I know Disney uh, felt that they'd had they'd made even more strides technically by the time of Pinocchio, but I think Snow White rests on its reputation because of that amazing achievement of a feature-length cartoon that was uh, being poo-pooed by everyone in the industry as Disney's folly until it opened and and just knocked the socks off everyone and made the biggest amount of money Disney made for 20 more years on one film. And it was just the technical achievement. I think if you go back nine years to those very primitive-looking black-and-white Mickey cartoons at the dawn of sound in 1928, you know, what they had accomplished technically and in color and sound and uh, animation technique by just less than a decade is a stunning achievement. Sure uh, is. On a historical level, yeah. All right. Well, but the- I guess that's all I need to say about this Be- being a one-hour show. I think DeMille does a kind of a a testament to the show right at the beginning of this episode, so okay. it would sum it up for the listeners. And this is December 26th, 1938? Or December yes, like a, like a sort of a Christmas gift to, to the nation. Uh, yeah. The cartoon had been out for about a year. Yeah, but they managed to put together pretty much the entire original cast too, right? A lot of the voices from the movie and, and those who couldn't be uh, scheduled uh, were replaced by radio actors who did great imitations of the uh, cartoon voices anyway. Okay, well this As is... matter of fact, they couldn't, they couldn't get the original voice of the Wicked Witch, who was the Magic Queen, who was an old lady named Lucille Laverne. She was in a movie at the time. Um, so the voice sounds identical to the one in the cartoon, but it's done by Gloria Gordon, who was, yes, Gail Gordon's mother. Oh, Gail Gordon, of course, from uh, I Love Lucy. Yes, um, yeah, Mr. Mooney. Yeah. Mr. Mooney. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, this is this is one where if you have young children and you have not yet shown them the film Snow White, you should do so. If you have shown them the film Snow White, then they can certainly follow along very well with this radio version and they should get some great enjoyment out of it. So this should be a podcast for the entire family, which... Makes my heart glow that we can do such a thing. And um, we'll talk about it a little bit when they take their station break halfway through. So here is the Lux Radio Theater presentation of Snow White from December 26, 1938. From Hollywood, California, the Lux Radio Theater presents Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Lux presents Hollywood. It's one of the most beloved folk tales of all time, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Walt Disney made it into one of the greatest pictures of all time. And tonight, for young and old, we bring it to the Lux Radio Theater. A charming story, the delightful music that you saw and heard on the screen. 
Aiding in tonight's production and our guest of honor is Walt Disney himself. Conducting our music is Louis Silvers. Mr. DeMille will step before the curtain in just a moment. But before he does, a word about the product that brings you this program, Lux Flakes. Lux Flakes have thousands of loyal followers all over the world because lovely women everywhere depend on these fine gentle flakes to keep their things dainty. Their nice silk and satin underthings get regular Lux care. Yes, Gentle Lux keeps nice things dainty and fresh, but it does more than that. It helps them stay new-looking longer. You see, Lux flakes have no harmful alkali to hurt delicate materials or fade colors. It's a good thing to remember that anything safe in water alone is safe in Gentle Lux. And now, your host and producer, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Christmas greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. One year ago, almost to the day, Walter Elias Disney was here in the Lux Radio Theater telling us about a picture he'd just completed called Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It was the first feature-length animated picture ever created. Into it had gone three years of work, of hope and daring. Over two and one-half million drawings and the services of more than 500 artists. It was therefore a rather nervous Mr. Disney who spoke to us that night. If we had tied bells on his knees, he could easily have doubled for Santa Claus' sleigh. It wasn't Mike Fright, though, that attacked Mr. Disney. It was Premier Fright. For on the night following his Lux broadcast, he was giving the world its first glimpse into animated fairyland. In the tiny hands of a little lady named Snow White lay the reputation and the future of Walt Disney. How this picture was received is history. It brought laughter and tears from the children and grown-ups of every nation. Praise came from the pulpit, from statesmen, from the press to this unassuming man, whom even his switchboard operator calls Walt. Harvard and Yale gave him honorary degrees, and the world its thanks. For to all of us, he recalled our childhood. We couldn't have chosen a more popular play for Christmas than Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, nor a more appropriate guest than Walt Disney. Later on, we'll hear from him. Now we hear his masterpiece. Let's dim the lights a little. Let's sit down and shut our eyes. Forget the world and just imagine. As our curtain rises and the Lux Radio Theater presents Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. In a far-off world, long, long ago, a kingdom built on a mountain high lifted its turrets flecked with gold into a sapphire sky. Land of enchantment, this domain, but ruled by a queen, black-hearted, vain, jealous of her beauty, and fearful lest there be another in her realm to prove more beautiful than she. Each evening in a secret hall, she conjured up a spirit from the mirror on the wall. Slave in the magic mirror, come from the farthest space. Through wind and darkness I summon thee. Speak, let me see thy face. What 
wouldst thou know, my queen? Magic mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? Famed is thy beauty, majesty. But hold, a lovely maid I see. Rags cannot hide her gentle grace. Alas, she is more fair than thee. Alas for her. Reveal her name. Lips red as the rose, hair black as ebony, skin white as snow. Snow white. Your own stepdaughter and the princess of this realm. Where is this fair one now? In her tattered clothes by the wishing well, she sings with the voice of a still. Want to know a secret? Promise not to tell. We are standing by a wishing well. Make a wish into the well. That's all you have to do. And if you hear it echoing, your wish will soon come true. I'm I frighten you? Who are you? I am prince of another land. I've ridden far, hoping for the day when I'd find one fair as you. Oh. Please, don't run away. Now that I've found you, here's what I have to say. One song, I have but one understand 
my wishes in this matter, Master Huntsman? I do, Your Majesty. Tomorrow, as the shadows fall at dusk, take her far into the forest. Find some secluded glade where she can pick wildflowers. Yes, Your Majesty. And there, my faithful huntsman, you will kill her. Kill her? Your Majesty, the little princess. Silence. You know the penalty if you fail. Yes, Your Majesty. Kill her or die yourself. And to prove that you have done your part, bring back this casket, huntsman. And in it, Snow White's heart. I think we have enough wildflowers now, don't you? Enough for a long time. Perhaps forever. Oh, what a lovely place this is. So quiet and peaceful. But I think we'd better leave now. It's growing late, Master Huntsman. See how the shadows fall. Long and slender. Master Huntsman, why do you stare at me like that? What's wrong? Come here. But I don't... Here. Look well around this place you love. That look will be your last. Ah! I can't. I can't do it. Forgive me. I beg you, Your Highness, forgive me. Why, I don't understand. She's mad. Jealous of you. She'll stop at nothing. But, but who? The queen. The queen? You must run away, child. Far away. Run and hide and never come back. Hide in the woods. Anywhere. But go. 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 the sun's up. I'm not afraid. Will you forgive me? Oh, thank you. But you see, I'm all alone, and I've no place to go. Do you think that you could help me? If I only had a place to live. You don't know where such a place would be. live in a tree. If you only knew of a house. Yes, a house. You do? Will you show me where it is? Yes, I'm ready now. Oh. 
like a doll's house. Shall we go inside? Ooh, it's dark inside. I guess there's no one home. Hello? May I come in? Oh, what a cute little chair. That's right, seven little chairs. Must be seven little children. And from the look of this table, seven untidy little children. Look at what? Oh, a pickaxe. A stocking, too. And in the fireplace, a shoe. And just look at that fireplace. Why, it's covered with dust. And look, cobwebs everywhere. My, 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 what a pile of dirty dishes. Oh, just look at that broom. Why, they've never swept this room. You'd think their mother would. Oh, maybe they have no mother. Then they're orphans. Oh, that's too bad. I know. We'll clean the house and surprise them. Then maybe they'll let me stay. Now you wash the dishes, you tidy up the room, you clean the fireplace, and I'll use the broom. Just whistle while you work. And cheerfully together we can tidy up the place. We'll hum a merry tune. It won't take long when there's a song to help you set the pace. And as you sweep the room, imagine that the broom is someone that you love, and soon you'll find you're dancing to the tune. So whistle while you work. When hearts are tied, the time will fly. So whistle while you work. Oh, oh, thank you. You sang beautifully. But I'm still wondering about the seven little children who live here. They're not children. Well, what are they? What? Seven little men? Well, where are the little men? Away? At work? In a mine? Well, what do they do in the mine? Brewing. Felt it coming all day. My corn's hurt. 
gosh. That's a bad sign. Well, what, what do we do? do? Yeah. Uh, let's sneak up on it. Yes, uh, we'll squeak up. Uh, 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 sneak up. Uh, uh, come on, hen, uh, uh, men. Follow me. Don't be quick that, will you? Now, careful, men. Search every crook and nanny, uh, hook and granny, the uh, crook and pan. Uh, search everywhere. Shh. Quiet. Look, the floor. It's been swept. Chair's been dusted. And our window's been washed. Gosh, our cobwebs is missing. What, what, what? The, the, the whole place is clean. Eh, there's dirty work afoot. The sink's empty. Hey, someone stole our dishes. They ain't stole. They're hid in the cupboard. My cup's been washed. Sugar's gone. Something's cooking. Mmm, good. Smells good. Oh, look. Here, don't touch it, you fools. Might be poison. See? Witch's brew. Look, look what's happened to our stable. Uh, table. Flowers. There's flowers on the table. Huh? Look, goldenrod. Look, sneezy goldenrod. Oh, don't do it. T -t Take them away. My doze. My hay fever. You, you know I can't stand no gold. gold. I can't. No, I can't. No, I can't. No, you got to take it. You got to take it. You got to take it. You Crazy fool! Fine time you picked a sneeze. Well, I couldn't help it. I, I can't tell. When you gotta, you gotta. And I gotta. <laughs> I gotta. No, 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 I can't no, stop no, it. No, 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 what am I gonna stop? You better hold him tight. I got 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 him tight. Quiet, you fool. Don't want to get us all killed. What's that? That's it. It sounded close. It's in this room right now. It's up there. Yeah, upstairs in the bedroom. Uh -huh. One of us has got to go down and chase it up. Uh, 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 up, down. Well, who's it going to be? I'm asking for volunteers, men. Happy? What about you? Uh-uh. Bashful? Uh-uh. Sleepy? Uh-uh. Grumpy? <laughs> Sneezy? With my hay fever? Dough. So you won't go, eh? Well, that means... Um, mm, here, Dopey. Uh, take this lantern. Uh, don't, don't, don't be nervous. Uh, don't be afraid. Go on now. Uh, up the snares, uh, the stairs. We're we're right behind you. Yes, right, right behind, behind you. you. Open the door, Dopey. Go on, go on, open the door and stop shaking like that. Now, now. Look, over there. Jiminy Crickets. God. Gee. What a monster. It's asleep. Covers three beds. Let's kill it before it wakes up. Which end do we kill? Shh. I'll take a good look at it. Uh, what is it? Why, it, 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 it's a girl. Oh, a girl. A girl. She's mighty pretty. She's beautiful. Just like an angel. Angel? <laughs> She's a female. And all females is poison. They're full of wicked wiles. What are wicked wiles? I don't know, but I'm against them. Shh. Not so loud. You'll wake her up. Oh, let her wake up. She don't belong here no how. Oh, oh, look out. She's moving. Oh, She's waking up. Oh, what do we do? Uh, hi. Oh. Too late. Oh, gosh. You're the little man. How do you do? I said, how do you do? How do you do what? 
Oh, you can talk. I'm so glad. Now, don't tell me who you are. Let me guess. You don't know us. Oh, but I know your names. I saw them written on your beds. Now, let me see. That little man over there, you're Doc. Uh, why, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Oh, and you, you're bashful. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and you, you're sleepy. Oh, how to guess? And you, <laughs> you're sleepy. <laughs> oh, yes, and you must be... Happy, ma'am, that's me. And this is Dopey. He don't talk none. You mean he can't talk? He don't know. He never tried. Oh, that's too bad. But what's that bell around his neck? Oh, that? Oh, that, that, that's a cowbell. Uh, we just put that there in, in case he, he ever gets lost. Uh, sure what you glue, uh, goo. Sure what you do when you get lost, Dopey. No, 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 no. The bell, the bell. That's right, that's right. See? He rings the cowbell. Oh, isn't that cute? <laughs> cute. Tain't cute at all. Why, yes, it is. I say it ain't. Oh, you must be grumpy. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's who he is, all right. Hey, we know who we are. Ask her who she is and what she's doing here. <clears throat> yeah, uh, what are you and who are you doing? Uh, uh, what are you? Uh, uh, who are you, my dear? Oh, how silly of me. I'm Snow White. Snow White? The, the princess? princess? Yes. Well, well, my 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 dear princess, uh, princess, we're uh, we, we're honored. Yes, we're uh, we're mad as hornets. Mad as hornets. No, we're not. We're as bad as cornet. No, no, as bad as. What was I saying? Nothing. Just standing there, sputtering like a doodle bug. Who's a buttering like a spoodle dog? Uh, who's a uh, rudder? Who, a gunner? Oh, oh, shut up and tell her to get out. Oh, please don't send me away. If you do, she'll kill me. Kill you? Who will? Yes, who'll kill you? My stepmother, the queen. The queen? queen. She's yes. wicked. She's bad. She's bitey bean. She's an old witch. I'm warning you. If the queen finds her here, she'll swoop down and wreak her vengeance on us. Oh, but she doesn't know where I am. She don't, huh? No. She knows everything. She's full of black magic. She can even make herself invisible. Might be in this room right now. Stop that. Stop it, Dobie. She finds her here. We're lost. Lost? Not you, Dobie. All of us. Oh, but she'll never find me here. And if you let me stay, I'll keep house for you. I'll wash and sew and sweep and cook. Cook? <laughs> yeah. Can you make lapple dumplings? Uh, lumple dumplings? Uh, apple dumplings. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, crapple dumplings? Yes, and plum pudding and gooseberry pie. Oh, gooseberry pie. Wait a minute, wait a minute, you crazy fools. You're going to lose your heads over a gooseberry pie? I say she goes. I say she stays. I say she goes. I say she don't. She does. She don't. She will. She won't. Does. Don't. Does. Don't. Does. Don't. Oh, no, you're a pot-bellied old hop toad. He's a, I'm a, who, who's a, a belly-potted old flop load? A hop jelly, a flop You, jelly. you're a flop belly. Toad jump. Now you got me doing it. I say she stays. Yes. How'd you like someone to twist your nose for you? Twist my nose or oh, you wouldn't dare. Oh, 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 Let me break up your happy home. I'll go. Eh, good riddance. I'm not afraid of the dark woods at night and, and the goblins. The goblins? Think of the ghosts. The demons. The spooks. Yeah. The dragons. Yeah, but think of our gooseberry pies. Yeah, yeah. our gooseberry, gooseberry pies. pies. 
It'll taste mighty good. Raisins in the crust. Belt your bowl. Can eat till you bust. Well, all right. We'll let her stay, but, but just till we get that pie. So ends the first act of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. During our brief intermission, let's take a flying trip from the land of fantasy to everyday life, to the home of our friends, the Browning family. It's the night after Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature is stirring. Except Dot and Midge. They're still up, having a little last-minute fun going over their presents. Gee, that music box is divine. Makes me think of moonlight and roses. Oh, wasn't Dad a lamb to give it to me? Yes, and wasn't Cousin Lou an angel to give me all this lovely lingerie? Oh, look at this nightgown, Midge. Isn't it sweet? Oh, it's adorable. Hold it up to you, Dot. Oh, look at it float. It's a dream, all right. Are you going to wear it tonight? Oh, my goodness, no. I'm going to keep all these things for my best. Why, girls, aren't you ready for bed yet? We can't decide what to wear, Mother. At least Dot can't. She wants to hoard all her lingerie. <laughs> Why, the things are so beautiful, Dot. I'm surprised you don't start right in wearing that lovely nightgown. Well, that's just it, Mother. They're all so lovely. I'm afraid to wash them too often, so I'm going to kind of save them. <laughs> oh, nonsense, dear. They lux beautifully. You just wear them and get the use out of them. But you will use Lux Flakes, won't you? Oh, I will, Mother. And I hope you make it one of your New Year's resolutions, too, Midge. I solemnly swear that I will use Lux. Always Lux and nothing but Lux. And I won't forget. Oh, hope, hope, hope. We'll hold you to that, Midge. And now, girls, get to bed. Good, Good night, night, Mother. Mother. Pleasant dreams. Yes, Dot can rest easy about her lovely new nightgown. And all her underthings, for that matter. Gentle Lux removes soil like magic and at the same time leaves colors and materials looking like new. As Mother Browning knows so well, anything safe in water alone is safe in Lux. That's because there's no harmful alkali to hurt delicate fabrics or fade colors. Use gentle Lux flakes for your own nice things to keep them dainty and new-looking longer. Now, here's our producer, Mr. DeMille. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs are ready to go on with their story. In our far-off world long, long ago, our princess fair with skin like snow was taken in as cook by the seven little men, by happy and bashful and sleepy and dark and sneezy and grumpy and dopey. She was taken in as cook in the house in the glen, and we hope she'll be happy with the seven little men. We hope she'll be happy as a young girl should with seven little men so kind and good, with happy and bashful and sleepy and dumb and sneezy and grumpy and dopey, knock on wood. It's supper time now in the cottage, and as softly as they're able, the seven dwarfs with gentle grace all tiptoe to the table. <laughs> not quite ready. You'll just have time to wash. Wash? 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 I knew there was a catch to it. Why wash? What for? We ain't going nowhere. Tain't New Year. 
Oh, perhaps you have washed. Oh, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, perhaps we have. But when? When? Uh, when? Uh, yeah, you said when. Uh, why, uh, or, why uh, last week, uh, month, uh, year, uh, why, uh, 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 recently. Yes, recently. Oh, recently. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Why, Doc, I'm surprised. <laughs> Come on, Bashful, let's see yours. Oh, that will never do. And Dopey? My, my, my. This is worse than I thought. Now all of you run right outside and wash yourselves. Hmm? And don't forget behind the ears. And comb your hair nice and neat. Go on now, or you'll not get a bite to eat. I guess we gotta do it, ma'am. Uh, stand around the tub. We all gotta wash. <laughs> Women. Courage, ma'am. Courage. Uh, don't be nervous. <laughs> Gosh, it's wet. <laughs> oh, it's, it's cold, too. We ain't gonna do it, are we? Well, it'll uh, it'll it'll please the uh, the princess. I say we take a vote. All right, we'll take a vote. Uh, a vote. All in favor, hey, sigh. Uh, say aye. 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 What about Dopey? He don't count. Does too. <laughs> Listen, Dopey. If you're for pleasing the princess, ring your bell once. If you're not in flavor, uh, in favor, ring it twice. Understand? Hey, he understands. One ring for yes and two for no, eh, Dopey? Well, which is it? Uh, I told oh, you he didn't see? count. I think we ought to wash anyhow. Me too. Uh, me yes. too. Uh, her wilds are beginning to work. But I'm warning you. You give them an inch and they'll walk all over you. Oh, don't listen to that old warthog. Come on now, man. Uh, how hard do you scrub? Will her whiskers shrink? Do you get in the tub? Do you have to wash where it doesn't show? Now, 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 don't get excited. Here we go. Man, I, 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 I vote that the best supper I ever had. Me too, Doc. Yeah, me too. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you liked it. I, I can still taste that pie. <laughs> Gosh, I'm full. Right up to here. <laughs> What's that, Grumpy? I said, huh? <laughs> and your plate's lean, uh, clean. Well, you got to eat something after working all day. <laughs> <sighs> what do you say we... Go to bed. Not yet. Gosh, no, taint bedtime yet. I'm all set for a rambergee, a banjeree, a, 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 How about a song? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm happy. You're first. I like to dance and tap my feet, but they won't keep in rhythm. You see, I washed them both today, and I can't do nothing with them. <laughs> Sneeze these legs. A minute after I was born, it didn't have a nighty. So I tied my whiskers round my legs and I used them for a di 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 a I chased a bullcat up a tree way out upon a limb. And when he got the best of me, I got the worst of him. Oh, that 
fun. <laughs> now, now, you do something. Well, what shall I do? Tell us a story. Yes, yeah, tell, tell us, us a story. story. A true story. A love story. Well, once there was a princess. Was the princess uh, uh, you? And she fell in love. Was it hard to do? It was very easy. Anyone could see that the prince was charming. The only one for me. Uh, was he uh, uh, strong and handsome? Was he, was he big and tall? There's nobody like him anywhere at all. Did he say he loved you? <laughs> Did he steal a kiss? He was so romantic, I could not resist. Someday my prince will come, someday we'll meet again, and the way to will Hand, uh, man, mine for Ted, uh, uh, time for bed. Oh, my, yes. Good night. Good night, Good night everybody. my voice 
and old hags cackle. <laughs> to whiten my hair, a scream of fright. <coughs> a blast of wind to fan my hate. A thunderbolt to mix it well. Now, begin thy magic spell. So the good old days of radio show <laughs> with uh, John Tefteller, your host, and our special guest, Keith Scott. They're taking a break on the uh, network there with Snow White, so we thought we'd interrupt their break with our own break here and talk a little bit about the show as it's progressing. Still there, Keith? I sure am. Okay. Question for you. Who is the voice of Snow White in this? Do you know? Yes, this is um, an actress named Thelma Hubbard. Uh, that was her um, her maiden name. Her her 
married name was Thelma Boardman. She was married to the writer True Boardman. Aha, uh-huh. yes, Spurdvac. you got it right. Boy, you're good. And I knew True yeah. Boardman, too. When he came to Spurdvac, I met him and talked to him on several occasions at Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters. Um, right. And yeah. she was not the voice of Snow White in the actual movie. Um, no. Film- I believe um, that year, because Snow White was on an extended um, run, that the original voice, Adriana Casalotti, a young uh, soprano, the, boy, the daughter of a voice coach, um, she uh, was on a promotional tour of the film and couldn't do this broadcast. So who's doing the singing here? That's a, a professional uh, session singer called Beatrice Hagen, uh-huh. who had a similar similar voice to um, Adriana. There were so many of those anonymous session singers on radio shows, especially Lux, which used often used a chorus of them. And again, these same people did many cartoon tracks. The some of the, uh, including that great bass singer. You know, uh, hi ho, hi ho. Yeah, that's a guy called Harry Stanton, and he did the same voice in the, the in the Snow White movie. Right. But they were they were different different people who sang the songs for the dwarfs, of course, compared to the, the speaking voices. Okay, and Thelma Hubbard also was the voice of Minnie Mouse for a time, and one of the characters in Bambi. I'm not sure which one she is in Bambi, but you might know that. Thelma ah. Boardman is Mrs. Quail. A this girl bunny and a scared pheasant. Okay. <laughs> well, those are minor characters, but still, they were yes. they were important to the film, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. And well, uh, the, the 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 characters that you're listening to, who are actually in the film of Snow White, are in this this broadcast. Roy Atwell playing Doc, you know, who's an old vaudeville comedian who had that old spoonerism thing of uh, this day, uh, this day, you know, mixing up his words. And getting confused, and and they managed to get the great Billy Gilbert, who who reprised his role as Sneezy with that great party trick he did of the uh, exaggerated sneezing shtick. Billy and, Gilbert, for those who don't know, <laughs> plays Professor something. I can't remember his name, but Professor something in the Laurel and Hardy film, The Music Box. And yes, when, yes. When they're trying to get the piano up the steps. Uh, this Billy Gilbert comes down the steps with his cane and tries to shush them out of the way, uh, saying, it, walk around, I should walk around, Billy Gilbert. Yeah, I should walk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, he, he was, again, like Gail Gordon, he was one of these great explosive comedy actors. Yeah, I also like him in The Great Dictator with Chaplin. I thought he did a, yes, a, a wonderful. Great, great job with that. And what some people may not know, and you might not know this one, although you may, what show business family produced not only Billy Gilbert, but someone else who was pretty famous in the 1940s? That one you've got me on. Faye McKenzie. Oh, Faye McKenzie. Faye yes. McKenzie is yes. related to Billy Gilbert. I think it's her uncle uh, or something yeah. like that. Faye McKenzie appeared opposite Groucho Marx on Pep's Blue Ribbon Town. Oh, of course. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I remember her from the 1940s, but uh, no, I, I there you got me. I had no idea they were related. Well, somehow. I didn't know that either. And when I went to interview Faye McKenzie for my book, she was still alive at 98 right. or 99, something like that at the time. And that's the first thing she told me. She said, well, I'm, you know, I'm related to Billy Gilbert. I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. And she produced photographs of her with Billy Gilbert. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and, uh, Oh, by the way, the the other one from the movie that's in this uh, show is the uh, great 
stage actor Moroni Olsen, who played the magic mirror voice. Ah. And there was one other. Oh, yes, Stuart Buchanan, who was uh, employed at Disney as a casting director, but he was a radio actor. He played the huntsman who who is ordered by the Wicked Queen to kill Snow White, and he did the same role in the movie. It's fun to analyze this and tell people... <laughs> 70 years after the fact or whatever, what was actually going on here. You don't think of those things when you watch the film or when you listen to this, unless someone's here to tell tell you all this And of course, and it is important to to bear in mind, if you're listening to this show, just how prominent the movie Snow White was in the the public consciousness during that year of 1938. It was huge, gigantic. And uh, so therefore, the audiences listening to this back then would have regarded this as quite quite a Christmas isn't, you know. Sure. Um, originally, I was going to actually run this at Christmas of this coming year, but since you chose it as one of your uh, favorites, we're just doing it a little bit early here. Sure. All right. Anything else you want to say before we go on with the second half? It's, we're coming up to the climactic part of the film, of course, and uh, the the major point of interest in this one is uh, is hearing Walt Disney himself, who had really become quite a young celebrity in once Snow White was released, it was like uh, he'd gone from a well-known name of producing, producing Mickey Mouse and Silly Symphony cartoons to suddenly being a very respected figure in Hollywood. Right, yeah, he became a king of Hollywood by this time. Really? Yes. All right, well, we'll get right to it so that uh, folks don't get too distracted by our banter here and get right to the end of Snow White, and then we'll have a few more things to say before we head out for the day. So uh, here we go with the last portion of Snow White. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs have ended the second act of their adventures. They're not going away, though. They'll be here again in a very little while to continue telling you their story. That will be Act Three. Right now, in our intermission time, Mr. DeMille and our guest of honor are going to kind of talk things over. It's now my happy privilege to bring to the microphone one of the truly great men of the motion picture industry. Our distinguished guest is so well known that even to mention his name is utterly superfluous, like uh, gilding the lily. (laughs) Thanks. Therefore, I will not mention his name. Indeed, our, our guest is so modest and publicity shy that the mere mention of his forthcoming productions would send a shudder down his spine. Huh? Therefore, I'll refrain from any mention of them. Not even one? Instead, I'll, I'll let him interview me about my work. <laughs> I must say this is rather unexpected. Oh, go on. Just ask me one little question about Union Pacific. What for? I know all about it. Now, Mr. Disney... Oh, <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, this, uh, this is Walt Disney. Thank you, Mr. DeMille. Mr. Disney is now at work on his next uh, feature. And the title uh, is Pinocchio. Yes, and now and that I have you... another name, Bambi. Bambi, yes. And now that you... And then uh, Alice in Wonderland comes after that. Yes, 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 yes. And now, if you please, if you please let me say just a word about my, my picture... You know, I've gotten a whole new slant from Union Pacific. It has thousands of miles of railroad track, hundreds of Indians... Hundreds of assorted actors, all in authentic costumes. Thousands of... Yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute. You forgot Lux. Hundreds of boxes of Lux. Back in the unwashed 60s? Never. Mm. <laughs> no, but, but Lux takes an active part in every DeMille production. It's the backbone of the wardrobe department. It helps those costumes start out fresh and clean every morning. But picking up where you left off, Walt. Well, seeing how tremendous your pictures are, if I had to make Snow White over again, I'd have 700 dwarfs instead of only seven. I'd have 70,000, and they'd all be giants except one, and he'd be taller than the rest. And instead of buzzards following the old witch, I'd have bombing planes. Now, for a climax, 
the Wicked Queen sells Snow White a poisoned fruit stand. I think I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, you're all wrong, Walt. What people want is more fantasy, sweetness, whimsy. Or just call it more Snow White. I think what I could do with Union Pacific if I had the Disney touch. My hero could be a steam engine, a prince in disguise. One day as he was passing the roundhouse, he heard a sweet voice singing. And looking over the garden wall, he saw a beautiful coal car. Yes, Mr. DeMille, that's colossal. <laughs> and though she was a shabby coal car, she was really a princess. Her name was Snow White. No, Mr. DeMille, if you do, I'll sue you. They fall in love. <laughs> But the Great West in those days was a trackless wilderness. So one day, the handsome young locomotive says to his beloved... Baby, we gotta make tracks. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a crude way, that's the idea. But let's get serious, Walt. In making your pictures, do you follow any ironclad rules? Just one. Never do anything that somebody else can do better. That's why we ordinarily sidestep stories that could be done successfully in live action instead of animated action. And what about the future, as the art of animating human figures develops? <laughs> we'll never do Hamlet. <laughs> Want to bet? <laughs> well, to be honest, our medium is so young and so unexplored and so fascinating that we have to guard against daydreaming. We have too many immediate problems. And I think my most immediate problem is to let you get back to the play. <laughs> Sit down, then, Walt. But don't go away. Thanks, Mr. Mill. <laughs> we'll be calling on you a little later. Once again, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Through black of night, the jealous queen, her deadly charm devised, flies toward the cottage in the glen as a witch disguised. In fiendish glee, she swears with every breath, the poisoned apple shall be Snow White's death. <laughs> it's morning. At the doorway of the cottage in the glen stand Snow White and the seven little men. Eagerly, they wait their turn in line because they know each one will get a kiss as off to work they go. Now, now, now don't forget, my, my dear. Don't forget what? The old queen's a sly one. She's full of witchcraft. So beware of strangers. Don't worry, Doc. I will. And I'll have dinner all ready for you when you get back. Now, here's your kiss. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> uh, uh, come on, men, let's go. And now you, Bashful. Now, now, be awful careful, because if anything should ever happen to you, I... Oh, <laughs> goodbye, Bashful. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, Dopey, of course there's a kiss for you. Oh, <laughs> Now remember, princess. Be sure to wa to wa wa to, to, to be sure to wa 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 to watch out. I'll be very careful. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, princess. Now who's next? Oh, Dopey! Didn't I just say goodbye to you? Well, all right, but it's the very last one. <laughs> Goodbye, Sleepy. Goodbye, Happy. And goodbye... <coughs> oh, Grumpy. <coughs> now, 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 I'm warning you. Don't let nobody or nothing in the house. <coughs> Why, Grumpy, you do care. Well, what if I do? Oh, Grumpy, here. <coughs> goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. 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 <laughs> 
Why, Dopey, what do you mean by... <laughs> Good day, my pet. Uh, all alone? Why, why, yes, I am, but... The little uh, men are not here? No, they're not, but... Mm, mm, making pies? Yes, gooseberry pies. It's apple pies that make the men folks' mouth water. Pies made from apples like this one. <laughs> oh, it does look delicious. Yes. But wait till you taste it, dearie. <laughs> like to try it? Mm -hmm. Go on, go on. Have a bite. What did you say, Bert? But why shouldn't I eat it? Because why? Go away! Go away, you pesky bird! Go away! Oh, oh, don't hit them, please. What did you say, Bert? What was it? What did they say? Because you've been so good to poor old Granny, I'll share a secret with you. This is no ordinary apple. It's a magic wishing apple. A wishing apple? Yes. One bite and all your dreams will come true. Really? Yes, girly. Now, make a wish and take a bite. Oh, it looks awfully nice, but... Oh, there's a storm coming up. I'd better close the window. No, no, no. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Oh, there's plenty of time, my dear. Now, here's the apple, the wishing apple. There must be something your little heart desires. Perhaps there's someone you love. Well, there is someone. I thought so. I thought so. Old Granny knows a young girl's heart. Now, take the apple, dearie, and make a wish. I wish... I wish... That's it. Go on. Go on. I wish for my prince to come for me. I wish that... that he'll carry me away to his castle, where we'll live happily ever after. Fine, fine. Now take a bite. Don't let the wish grow cold. There. That's it. Did it taste good, my pet? Ha, ha, ha. A breath will still. Oh. A blood congeal. Oh. The sleeping death. <laughs> she cannot stand. <laughs> now I'm the fairest in the land. <laughs> What's that? The little men return. I must hurry. Away. Away to the farthest mountaintop. To which is lair. Let them follow if they dare.
way did she go? There she is. Well, what you're standing here for? Up the mountain after her, men. Up the mountain. I see her now. I saw her in the lightning flash. Don't let her get away. Get after her. Around that cliff. She can't get down. Be careful, men. She's desperate. Watch out for that rock. She's rolling rocks down off the hill. She'll kill us all. Get back, men. Get back. No, no, go on. Surround the old witch. Surround her. Look. Get the lightning. It's striking all around her. Struck by lightning. Serves her right. Well, men, the wicked queen is dead. Eh, good riddance, I say. Doc. Rumpy. Doc. Doc. Here's Happy. Good news, Happy. The lightning hit her and she fell off the cliff. She's dead. Well, why don't you cheer? I can't. Because Snow White, she's dead too. There she is, men. Don't she look pretty? Just like she wasn't dead at all. She she looks so pretty. I I can't think of burying her. No, we we can't bury her, men. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll build a a, a glass coffin, glass of gold, and we'll keep flowers around it. All the time. Please. No golden rod. No. No. No golden rod, Sneezy. Cause. Cause. I'm. I'm gonna sit beside her and watch her all the time. Put the, the violets. Here, Sneezy. Uh-huh. And the sweet peas. There. Uh-huh. Dopey's daffodils. The side. Listen, man. Somebody's coming this way. Yeah, riding a horse. What's he want? Tell him to go away. We can't do that. What? He, he's a prince. A prince? Sure. Look at him. Look at his clothes. He's a prince, all right. Good morning. Good morning, Your Highness. Is there something wrong? There are tears in your eyes. Snow White is dead. And there she lies. Snow White is dead? Yes, dead. And I've been searching far and wide. Here. Let me kneel at her side. Oh, princess, ne'er was one so fair with snow-white skin and raven hair. Oh, gosh, he's giving her a kiss. He loves her. Gosh, then he's her prince. The one she spoke of in the story. Never mentioned his name since. Did someone call? The princess spoke. Look, she's awake. Look at her, the spell is broke. She's going to live. She isn't harmed. Let me sleep. Just a charm. It was I who called. My prince. Oh, Snow White, they thought you dead, these little men. I think I must have been. But then, you kissed me. Or did I only dream? Well, no dream, I did. 
I've searched for you so far. And I've been waiting for you so long. You knew I'd come? I knew. Someday. Say goodbye to lovely Snow White and her fairy prince. And in just a moment, you'll hear Mr. DeMille in a personal chat with Walt Disney. But now, I'd like to give a little friendly advice to the women in our audience. All those nice underthings you got for Christmas. You want them to stay dainty and fresh and new-looking a long time, don't you? Well, why don't you do what Mother Browning suggested? Why don't you plan to give all those lovely, fragile things the care they deserve? Gentle Lux care. Keep a box of Lux flakes on your bathroom shelf. And after every wearing, take your nice underthings and plunge them into a big bowl full of Lux suds. Those soft, pure suds whisk away every trace of soil and leave your things dainty and new-looking. There's no harmful alkali to hurt fine materials or fade delicate colors. In fact, Lux is safe for anything safe in water alone. Try it. Buy Lux Flakes in the economical large size tomorrow. Now, Mr. DeMille. Picking up where we left off between the acts, here's Walt Disney to continue his animated conversation in a more serious vein. <laughs> You'll be sorry, Mr. DeMille. Tell me, just how old a story is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Well, it's so old that no one knows when or where it was first told. Is it true that it wasn't published until the Grimm brothers came along? Yes, just about a hundred years ago. Jacob Grimm was a very learned man, a scientist. You'd hardly think he'd go in for fairy tales. But just as a hobby, he and his brother collected a lot of old folk stories and legends, put them into a book, and called the book Grimm's Fairy Tales. In their written form, Walt, fairy tales are supposedly only for children. But when you bring one to the screen, it captivates everyone. Age, language, race make no difference. What's the secret? Well, here's half an answer. Over at our place, we're sure of just one thing. Everybody in the world was once a child. We grow up. Our personalities change. But in every one of us, something remains of our childhood. You mean that's a common denominator? That just about sums it up, Mr. DeMille. The same level you speak of knows nothing of sophistication and distinction. It's where all of us are simple and naive, without prejudice and bias. We're friendly and trusting. And it just seems to me that if your picture hits that spot in one person, it's going to hit that same spot in almost everybody. So in planning a new picture, we don't think of grown-ups and we don't think of children, but just of that fine, clean, unspoiled spot down deep in every one of us that maybe the world has made us forget and that maybe our pictures can help recall. But when a picture maker turns philosopher, Mr. DeMille, it's time for him to quit. 
So thanks for your swell treatment of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Uh-huh. Good night. That was Walt Disney, whose magic turns a theater ticket into a grand adventure. And now, ladies and gentlemen, a word about our program for next Monday night. The past year has seen Errol Flynn rise to the heights of Hollywood stardom. In successive films like The Perfect Specimen, Robin Hood, and Dawn Patrol, he's proved himself a master of romantic comedy, adventurous melodrama, and straight dramatic roles. We hear this versatile and dashing gentleman next Monday night in the first of these hits, The Perfect Specimen. And co-starred, as she was in the picture, is another favorite, the delightful Joan Blondell. And so the Lux Radio Theater says goodbye to 1938. We who are behind the scenes are not alone in making these presentations possible. If our efforts have brought you pleasure, won't you remember that in the Lux Radio Theater is the means taken by the makers of Lux Flakes and Lux Toilet Soap to show their gratitude for your loyalty to these fine products. All of us then work together. And in 1939, our goal is again your entertainment and your friendship. A year of greater joys to be shared with you in the Lux Radio Theater. From all of us goes the hope that the new year will light your hearts and homes with happiness and health. Our sponsors, the makers of Lux Flakes, join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday night when the Lux Radio Theater presents Errol Flynn and Joan Blondell in Perfect Specimen. This is Cecil B. DeMille saying good night to you from Hollywood. Lois Silver has appeared through courtesy of 20th Century Fox Studio, where he directed music for the new film, Kentucky. Your announcer has been Melville Roick. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. All right. <laughs> Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. From those days when Disney was actually Disney, unlike whatever's going, to, going on over there today. Uh, yes, well, yes. back with Mr. Keith Scott. What do you have to say to wrap this one up? Well, uh, I, think, I think the Disney um, company back then, Walt himself was so um, canny about re-releasing his uh, classic feature films. And so Snow White had a program of I think every seven or eight years getting a re-release with a big publicity build-up in cinemas uh, and he knew also that there was a new generation of youngsters coming along uh, in that seven-year window and um, and of course Snow White ended up also on many other radio shows in the 40s to tie in with those uh, re-releases. Screen Guild Theatre, Academy Award and even as late as 1949 they did a, a very nice adaptation on the Railroad Hour uh, of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So um, Disney was uh, not only a genius, but uh, also very good at marketing his product. I think uh, radio became a real friend to uh, to uh, Disney uh, as a, men- a method of promotion back then. I noticed he said earlier that the next film was going to be Pinocchio and then Bambi. They were a little off with Bambi because Fantasia came out before Bambi did. Right. And then he mentions right. Alice in Wonderland, and I don't think they got around to that one until, what, 1957 or something? Uh, 51 it was released. 51, but, uh, okay. You're right. You're right. It was uh, so many 
so many things had been in uh, the pipeline and so many ideas. There were three films that were released in the 50s and they began their original story treatments in the 30s. The other two were Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. And uh, one of the things that interrupted the production flow of all of these was, uh, of course, the advent of World War II, where Disney had to stop making feature cartoons for several years because he was contracted by the government to produce all of these training films using animation techniques uh, for all of the armed forces. That is one area of Disney productions that's not as well known, but uh, they uh, produced hundreds of training films for aircraft and uh, naval personnel and uh, and uh, just did a, a ton of that sort of government contract work. And aren't some of those films kind of what we would now describe as anti-Nazi or anti-Japanese? Um, yes. Uh, I think more in the entertainment shorts, like, for instance, uh, The Fuhrer's Face, uh, there was a, definitely a caricature of Hitler. And, of course, you know, um, people these days are always saying how uh, racially uh, insensitive these cartoons were back then, but I don't think the younger people really have any grasp of history where the sneak attack and, and the entry of, of your country into World War II was, uh, uh, it caused such a patriotic fervor that, um, you know, you always make fun of the enemy in satire and newspaper cartoons, and, of course, in those days, the animated cartoons and well, De Fuhrer's face was nominated for an Oscar, and I think it, it inspired Spike Jones to get his greatest hit of all time because right. Hitler was such a such a world enemy, you know. Sure. And uh, nothing 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 bugs people like Hitler that that than sarcasm and uh, and disrespectful humor. <laughs> Interesting, and the whole history of of the Disney Company and what they did back then makes for quite quite a story. And of course, as you're pointing oh, yeah. out. Uh, lots of people from vintage radio appearing in those cartoons. And and all of his short cartoons, uh, if you total them up, I think Disney used the widest range of freelance radio talent uh, in his cartoons compared to other studios where they had a certain person like a Mel Blanc as a, a contract person who could do many funny voices. Disney used tons and tons of radio people one, once or several times. And they're all, by the way, um, this sounds like a blatant plug, but they're in the volume two of my book, all, all catalogued in the filmography of Disney. Well, you beat me to the blatant plug. I was, <laughs> I was getting there. But hey, you beat me. Yes, they are all covered in uh, Keith's book, which is available, again, from Bear Manor Media, Bear Manor Books, bearmanorbooks.com, I think is what it is, or if you have to, amazon.com. Yes, and... Uh, and so for anyone, as we as we uh, round this one out, uh, who has a love of uh, old-time radio and its actors, you'll see many of them catalogued and, and discussed throughout this book. And, and uh, a lot of it's the story of how the art of acting for animation developed from originally in the very early days of talkies. Most of, most of the voices were just little squeaks and grunts done by the animators themselves. And eventually, as dialogue became more prominent and the techniques improved in uh, humor and color and all sorts of uh, advents, that uh, that's when the professional voices uh, in network radio began to be employed and added such a new dimension to animation acting. Great. We are going to put a link to your book in the show notes that appear oh, on, on the website so and the Facebook page. So even though we've been I sort of touting that. it at the end of each of these broadcasts, we'll provide something on those platforms for people to actually link up and get it. 
because you're so generous well, with your time you. here, and it's fun doing these shows with you. It's always good I when, I, it, when yeah. I have somebody on that knows more about some of this stuff than I do, because I, I love old-time radio, but it's not my right. main thing. I do a lot of other things, and this is just one, hob one yeah. hobby of many, so I, I'm not yeah. as well-versed in all this as I should be, but I can fake it pretty good as listeners to oh, the shows know. I think, I think you're very well-versed, actually, <laughs> and, and, and you've got that background of meeting so many of the pioneers back in the days when Spurdback was at its best because they were still all alive. Yes. I always say it was around about 1986 that the, that the unfortunate demise just through old age started happening in that year we started losing people very like almost once a month frank nelson vic perrin virginia greg all these people started dying off and and uh so spurdback got to a ton of them just in time and got their recollections yes and pacific pioneer broadcasters did the same thing oh, and they did this once a month for years yeah. and yeah. they were all recorded and then Les Tremaine, who was a very famous radio actor and did a lot of television right. and films as well, Les Tremaine would take a day, one, one or two days a week, and he would take a fellow radio veteran down to the basement of the Sunset and Vine Pioneer Broadcasters' home, yeah, yeah, their, right. their clubhouse, and he would do an extensive interview with them about their yeah. days in radio. Now, Les did those interviews completely by himself. I don't know whether he used notes or not. I can't remember that, but I remember he would come in, he would go into this little room with the person, whoever he was interviewing, and they would sit down and they would sometimes do a two or three hour session. And then sometimes the person would come back the next, right. next right. week or whatever. And he did these interviews that were to just completely long and involved in detailed interviews as I understand it, those tapes have disappeared. Do you know anything about this, Keith? I, I think they were in the, um, the the metal cabinets there, which housed Marty Halpern's tape collection, and I don't know whether they ended up up at Thousand Oaks in that They did uh, not. Audio. That's the point. Ah. They did not. Ah. And so no, I do not know. No I one seems know. to know what became of them. What my I was able to borrow a lot of them and make make dubs of them back oh, in the 80s. Oh, well, good. Yeah. So you have some. That's good. I never I was able to. some of them. I, I remember was... when Les Tremaine, I think he had a minor stroke at some point, and, uh, and so they carried them on while he was recuperating by using the later Lux announcer, John Milton Kennedy, and he did the interviews for a yes, while. Yes, that is correct. Um, John Milton Kennedy would come down there as well. Oh, at least a lot of stuff still survives, and and, uh, and I think your podcast is doing such a great job of, uh, you know, keeping radio sounding vibrant and fresh for uh, uh, next generation. Well, that's that's the goal here, so we'll keep it up as long as I'm sounding fresh and vibrant. So. <laughs> well, you're sounding pretty damn good, let me tell you. <laughs> okay, well, thank you. All right. Thank you, Keith Scott, for appearing with that's us on the Good Old Days of Radio Show thank again you, today. Thank you, and thank you to Daniel for your, for your expert uh, technical help, because I'd be a uh, babe in the woods about how to get all this uh, 12,000 know, miles away from you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you'll be back next week for episode number yes. four. Uh, do you know what we're doing for episode number four, to tease a bit? Yeah, this is a special episode of the CBS Radio Workshop, which was uh, produced around the time of Stan Freeberg's show, this is a, a um, very dark parody uh, 
like gallows humor called never bet the devil your head filled with cartoon actors who uh, do a great job on this okay i don't know if i've ever heard that one but i do i have heard a lot of the cbs radio workshops and i have original yes. transcription discs for a lot of them but i don't know that i have that one um, so i'm looking forward to that too and the way you describe it makes me really look forward to it so everybody come back again next tuesday with keith scott we'll do uh, what is it? Never bet the devil your head? Is that the title? As Orson Welles would say, never bet the devil your head. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you, Orson. Br bringing <laughs> Orson back from the grave to do this. So <laughs> you, you could do the whole show as Orson Welles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's the good old days of radio show starring the marvelous John Sefteller. Wow, Orson even knows my name. I'm, I'm I'm thrilled. I always liked him. You know, are you familiar? I, this is getting really strange with some of these things I digress with, but they just pop into my mind. Are you familiar with the Los Angeles hamburger stand called Tommy's? Yes. Okay. You know the story of Orson Welles showing up there in a limousine and ordering 12 Tommy burgers? No, I don't. Okay. That really happened. And uh, oh, for God. those who don't know what it is, it's a hamburger doused in hot spicy chili and they're oh. not they're not small and this the orson wells had his driver bring him there and he loaded <laughs> up a dozen of them and proceeded to eat them in the parking lot oh my of God. the, the, <laughs> the tom oh hamburgers uh, downtown location um oh. Oh, just think what 12 would do to your insides. Oh, no. <laughs> well, just remember what Orson Welles looked like before he died, and you'll yes. know where, oh, where yeah. he was dining on a regular basis. Yeah. I'm amazed. I'm amazed it wasn't Fatburger. <laughs> no, I don't think Fatburger was around then. Tommy's has been around since oh. 1946. And of course, ah, right. I'm sure Wells made trips there even back in the 40s and 50s. Yes. But <laughs> he did actually show up at, at Tommy's in the in the 70s. This was in the 70s and order 12 right. of them. It's the stuff that his legends are made of. Oh yeah, and I just so, wish that I wish that Spurdvac or, or PPB had been able to get Wells for at least one appearance. I guess he was just a little bit too big. Did he never appear at... I don't remember him at Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters, but are you saying he never did appear there? No, no nor could Spurdback get him. I know there were there were a lot of efforts to get him in the early days. Ah. No, I know he, he didn't do... he died in 85, yeah, so Spurdback had been going for a year. I know I didn't I know he didn't do Spurdback, but I wasn't sure about Pacific yeah. Pioneer Broadcasters because they started having luncheons in 1966, and I didn't start going there until right. the mid 70s. So I thought no, maybe I just a, missed I've seen him. A complete list. I, I have a complete list of all the luncheons they did, and and Orson never made it. Oh well, that's sad. Maybe he was at Tommy's eating hamburgers. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Uh, this show has to be pretty unique because we come up with some unusual things to discuss in the middle of talking about old time radio. Yeah, shows, you could so. you could put all of these reminiscences together as a as an oddball uh, old time radio show, like yeah, uh, offshoots. <laughs> and I think some people who listen to this are scratching their head, going, "What is he talking about?" But <laughs> if you live in Los Angeles or you've been to Los Angeles, you'll know what Tommy's hamburgers are. So. Not everybody will yeah. scratch their heads. Anyway, thank no, you, no. Keith. 
<laughs> Thank you, Keith Scott, for appearing. That's a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> and we'll be back next week uh, with the CBS Radio Workshop and more from Keith Scott. Until then, this is John Tefteller in the good old days of radio show saying thank you for listening. Thank you.